0: everyone. Today is a very, very special episode. And yes, I know I say that every time, but today is a very special episode because it is our one year anniversary. We made it. We made it to a year. I'll be honest with you. When I first started thinking about doing a podcast, I was talking to a friend, and he told me that the average podcast lasts seven episodes. So your number one goal, your one and only goal, should be to get to episode eight. And so I took that very literally. I mapped out a plan to get to episode eight, and who knew that I would be sitting here today Talking to you on our one-year anniversary, we made it past eight episodes. We made it all the way to fifty-two episodes, and so, guys, first and foremost, just thank you, thank you for for tuning in, for listening, for supporting uh, this message and this podcast. Thank you for believing in it and sharing it, and all the things. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, To date, we have over 3,500 downloads. Um, I personally, I tape all the episodes six weeks in in advance. So when I looked at the stats this morning, we were well over 3,500. By the time this airs in June, we'll probably be closer to 4,000. So very exciting, but a big heartfelt thank you to all the listeners out there for making the podcast what it is. So I wanted to do something special for this episode. Um, And so what do we usually do when we look back on the past year? We do some reflection. I started looking at some statistics, like what were the most popular shows? And so I thought it would be a lot of fun if we highlight the top three episodes today and we'll have a conversation about them. I'll kind of set them up and give you some tidbits along the way, and we're just going to have a lot of fun with this. I pulled out some of the uh, recordings, well, I should say I pulled out some snippets of the recordings, and I think it's such a great reminder to look back on all the things we've learned. I mean, guys, we've had some great conversations over the past year, not only have have I shared some information and education, but we also were um, privileged to have some incredible guests on our show, anywhere from professionals in the area, professionals around the world. Um, I've also been able to share the message on other people's podcasts. So this has been a wild ride, and for one second, I just want to again, express my gratitude and thankfulness for this opportunity. So today we're going to highlight the top three episodes. I'll even give some shout outs to some honorable mentions. And then, like I said, we're going to pull out some of the snippets of those recordings and air them right now because the information is still as relevant today as it was in the past year, over the past year. So let's start with the number three most listened to podcast. It's actually from episode five. And guys, this one actually like made me, made me tear up a little bit because I interviewed my oldest son on this podcast episode. Um, I interviewed Jake, you know, now Jake is 15 at the time he was almost 15. Now he's 15 for a year. Guys, he's going to turn 16 in two months. And that's just a whole other story that we're going to have to talk about at another time. But my baby is going to be 16 and I can't even handle it. But I was so honored to have him as a guest in the very beginning of the podcast. He at the time was actually following a vegan diet. And so I thought it'd be interesting to interview him, not only to get a teenager's perspective, but also to learn from him as he was incorporating more plants into his diet. What are some of those tips that we can use as adults? You know, even if we're not following a vegetarian or a vegan diet, we can still learn more information about how to incorporate those foods into our diet because they're so healthy for us. And so I just thought he did a tremendous job Um, The tips that I'm going to uh, throw out to you today or that I'm going to be using from his podcast are, you know, what are the benefits to eating more plants? And then it's going to go right into just some general health tips. And guys, again, I was floored by his maturity because these are the tips that you hear over and over again. These are the tips that you read about in magazines or online And this kid just put them into practice. I think for so many of us, we think this has to be some big, complicated plan. And if we've heard the tip before, well, that's too easy. That's not going to give us any results. He just did the tips. That's literally what he did. And he had such great success with it. Um, So in addition to some of those general health tips, he also gives some insight on trying new foods. I know that's something that a lot of people struggle with, young and old. All right, let's be clear on that, young and old. I see it all. (laughs) So he gives you some tips on how to try new foods. And then finally, he ends with, you know, just three tips on how to incorporate more plants into your diet. So without further ado, let's listen to the conversation with Jake. Let's talk a little bit about some of the benefits to converting over to a more plant-based diet. Have you personally seen any benefits to your health by eating more plants? What would you say, Jake?
1: Um, Yes, definitely. I have a lot more energy throughout the day. Sometimes I do long workouts up to like an hour and a half, and I think a plant-based diet is one of the things that gets me through them. Um, I have a really fast recovery rate. I can recover after workouts and even go on to do another cardio workout at the end of the day. And I've also lost a lot of um, body fat.
0: Okay. So has your weight changed at all?
1: Um, no, I've gained also a lot of muscle.
0: Okay. So, yeah, again, making sure, um, again, as I'm wearing my mom hat and my dietitian hat, we've had a lot of conversations about motives, um, why he's doing this. Uh, yes, he's very sports-minded and very athletically driven, so we want to make sure, again, he's doing this the healthiest way, and that he's able to work out and exercise in ways that support his his goals. I think that's important. Jake, I've noticed some of your eating habits have changed over the past few months. Can you share a little bit about them?
1: Sure. I only eat when I'm hungry, and that's that was something that was really hard to change in the beginning, Um, I used to eat out of boredom a lot, and one thing I do now is when I walk into the kitchen, I ask myself, am I hungry? And more than half the time, the answer is no, and I have to go find something else to do. Um,
0: And so what do you do? What are your alternatives?
1: um, I usually drink water, and that sometimes solves the problem for me right away. And also something I have to do is during meals, I eat a lot slower. I take my time and I taste my food. And because eating is something that I enjoy, so it's something that I want to take the time to do. Um, I also sit down to eat. When I'm preparing my lunch or cutting up vegetables, instead of eating while I'm preparing it, I get it all ready and then I sit down and eat it just so I can relax while I'm eating my food. And I'm also consistent with my meal times. I usually eat two snacks a day between lunch and breakfast. I mean, one, I'm sorry, one snack between lunch and breakfast and then one snack between lunch and dinner. And that's it.
0: All right, Jake, just a couple more questions. How have your food preferences changed since converting your diet?
1: Um, I used to be a very picky eater before. I wouldn't, I would sometimes pass by on salads after dinner, Um, salads for dinner. And I wouldn't try new things because I was scared that I wouldn't like it. Now I pretty much will try anything. Um, Some things before that I didn't like were red beets and mushrooms and even onions. And now I love them because I've tried them for the first time and I like them in recipes and dinners.
0: Okay, Jake. So here's another follow-up question. What made you get over that hump and decide to actually try these things instead of just being convinced you don't like them?
1: One thing was red beets and mushroom red beets and onions I have tried before and I didn't like but then trying them different ways like on the grill or chopping them up or even in a drink I really found ways to incorporate them in my diet and even mushrooms before I just always thought mushrooms were disgusting and I I've never I had never tried a mushroom and I just assumed that they were disgusting and never tried them and then I tried them one day and I didn't think they were bad at all
0: Awesome. All right, Jake. So let's leave our listeners with a couple tips or tricks that you found that can maybe help them get started in, in their own personal journey. So what are some, what are like your top three tips that you could share if somebody wanted to get started with eating more plants in their diet?
1: Okay. Um, number one would be slowly transition from eating a regular balanced diet to a vegan or vegetarian diet. So slowly increase your portions of vegetables at meals and then slowly decrease your portions of meat. And this will just allow for a slow transition so you can get into the um, routine of eating more vegetables at your diet. Um, Number two is start with vegetables you like. So always start with eating vegetables that you like instead of just jumping into vegetables that you hate right away you can slowly ease them into your diet instead of just going right for them and then just ended up quitting because it was too hard to fit them into your diet. And finally is meal plan. If you meal plan your entire week before, instead of just going to the grocery store and making whatever you feel like that night, you have a way better chance of eating healthy meals each night because you already know what you're going to make for that night. So you, this will help you not pile your cabinets with a bunch of snacks or junk for dinner because you will have planned this before the week a week ahead
0: oh did he not do such a great job I mean I would be proud of him even if I wasn't his mother but the fact that I am his mother yeah I, I just I can't even that kid I love him so much all right so that was the third most popular episode on our podcast let's move to number two And interestingly enough, this was episode number two, and it was all about how does the scale make you feel? Honestly, this is a conversation that I have multiple times a day, every single day. This bathroom scale is going to be the death of us. (laughs) For so many people, we struggle over how do we use this scale to our benefit? And how do we make the scale a neutral thing instead of investing all of our time and self-worth into this appliance that costs $20 at Target? And so what we're going to listen to in terms of this episode was, number one, why is the scale so confusing? And then we're going to jump right into what are the limitations of the scale. And finally, we're going to touch on the topic of how do you know if you need to give it up? How do you know if you need to stop weighing yourself? So let's take a a listen. Let's take a listen to this episode. Here's episode number two. Isn't it amazing the power the scale has over our emotions? sometimes that scale makes us happy. And sometimes that scale makes us sad. And other times that scale makes us downright confused. So here's the deal. When you do all the things you're supposed to be doing in terms of health, and, and portion size and eating better foods, and your goal is weight loss, and the scale goes down, it's motivating. Right? It's motivating. It we're encouraged to continue doing the positive behaviors because the scale on the number is getting lower. And the opposite is true. If we're sitting on the couch all the time, we're not exercising, we're not moving our bodies, we're not eating healthy foods, and the number on the scale goes up, we can understand that because it makes sense. I didn't do the behaviors, therefore the number goes up. I'm disappointed, but I get it. I understand. Where the scale gets confusing is When we do all the great behaviors and the number doesn't move, that's when it gets confusing because I did all the right things. I should be validated. My effort should be validated by the number going down. And sometimes that doesn't work. And we get very confused. For most of us, when we don't see our efforts getting validated, we want to just give up completely. Why bother? Why am I doing all this great stuff if My efforts are not validated. The scale can also be confusing when we don't do anything. And yet the number stays the same or maybe it goes down. You might have a weekend where you just go off the rails and you just, you know, eat a lot of stuff. You eat a lot of pizza, you eat a lot of chocolate. And you get on the scale the next morning and it doesn't move. And there's this little devil on your shoulder being like, huh, you got away with it. And you might even start to think, what else can I get away with? Right? And sometimes you can get lucky twice, and sometimes you can't. And so the scale can make us happy. It can make us sad. But a lot of times it makes us confused. Now, I shared with you in episode one that I own a nutrition practice. And people get on the scale all the time. You know, I personally would prefer not to have a scale at my practice. However, the people want to see the number. And sometimes you got to give the people what they want. I always have to laugh because when the people get on the scale, they always have all these excuses as to why the number will not be good. And I'm putting my, I'm making air quotes with my hands right now. You can't see that. But why the number won't be good. Um, I just ate dinner or Um, what's another one people use all the time? Oh, I have heavy clothes on. Everybody goes to the bathroom before they weigh in at my office. We cannot keep enough toilet paper stocked in our office for all the people that go to the bathroom and empty their bladder before standing on the scale. One time I had a lady take off her glasses because she was afraid the few ounces of her frames would cause the number to go up. But then it's always funny because she can't read the number on the scale. And so she's squinting trying to read the number and I have to tell her what it says because she can't see. One time, now this was really early on in my practice, I actually had a lady take off her pants because she was afraid the wool um, fabric was going to add more pounds than what you know she thought it should be. And so typically I will say we have a keep your pants on policy at our office, um, but that could happen. And people joke all the time, like how many, how much of my clothes can I take off for this weigh-in? So let's talk a little bit about the limitations of the scale. All right. Number one, the scale cannot account for muscle mass, right? The scale is just showing us what our body weighs, what gravitational pull is pulling down on the scale at that point in time in history. But it doesn't account for fat mass and it doesn't account for lean tissue mass. Guys, if weight loss is one of your goals, we want lean tissue mass. We want muscle because our metabolism is based on how much muscle mass we have. And so for my ladies that are constantly struggling with that number and they're so fixated on the scale number, I like to show them pictures of really muscular women with their weights attached to it because they can start to break down the walls and the ideas that they have that in order to be Skinny, you have to, you know, look, you have to weigh a certain number. That's just not true. I remember growing up, um, I'm 40 right now, and I remember watching the show American Gladiators. Did any of you watch that? It was on Saturday mornings. I remember watching it with my dad. And it was these really buff, muscular athletes that would go up against average Joes in different competitive, um, different competitions uh, like the joust and, um, oh, I guess what else did they have? They were like peg people with balls and you had to like get through or you had to do some strength exercises. And it was this whole competition to see if you could beat a gladiator. And I remember looking at the women and some of them, I remember this one lady and they all had like, um, names based off of Greek goddesses or gods or things like that. And the one lady, I remember she was 5'3", 175 pounds, but this lady was ripped. And you would never in a million years guess she weighed 175 pounds, but she was just pure muscle, but she didn't look like it, right? And so sometimes we forget that muscle is a good thing. And if the scale has to be a little bit higher to account for that, so be it. Another limitation of the scale is fluid shifts, all right? So when you're losing weight, depending on what you're losing, whether it's muscle mass or fat loss, if you're losing muscle weight, a muscle cell is 70% water. And so if you break down muscle cells and you release all that water, you're going to see the scale go down. But that is not the weight you want to lose. That's your lean tissue mass. That's what we want to preserve so your metabolism can stay intact. If you are on a low carb diet or a no carb diet and all of a sudden you eat carbs, guess what happens? You gain weight and it's not because you're putting on fat. It's because you're seeing a fluid shift. For every gram of carbohydrate that you eat, your body brings in three grams of water to digest that carb. So if you have some weird fetish about weighing yourself multiple times a day so you can see fluid shifts, by all means, have at it. But I know for me personally, I don't want to know what my fluid shift numbers are. I don't care if I bring in more water to digest a carbohydrate because that number is going to go down a couple hours later, right? Our weight is always in flux. It's based off of what you ate. It's based off of fluid. It's based off of hormones. And for all you ladies listening out there, we've got so many hormones. That scale is always going to be moving. If you're a diabetic or even if you're not diabetic and you get your blood sugar checked, that number is always moving throughout the day. It's based off of what you ate and how long ago it was since your last meal and what your activity is. That number is constantly moving. So weighing yourself multiple times a day is never a good idea because it's going to mess with your head too much and it's going to defeat the purpose of what you're trying to do. You're trying to be healthy. You've got to account for your mental health. So, how do you know if you need to get rid of your scale? First of all, check your mood after you get on. Ask yourself if you're assigning meaning or worth to that number. You can, you'll know this is true if your mood is changing the minute you see the number. You'll know that you need to get rid of the scale if your mood is holding you back from doing the things that you were called to do. If you don't see a number you like and it's holding you back from, you know, being intimate with your spouse or putting on a bathing suit and going to the pool with your kids or speaking up at work about an idea you have or going out with your friends at night um, because you don't like the number and so you don't want to put on an outfit and go out with them. If any of that is true based off of what number you're reading on the scale, it is time to get rid of the scale. If you do choose to weigh in, I am going to tell you I need you to do three things. Number one, you are only allowed to weigh in once a day. You cannot weigh yourself more than once. It's not fair. All right. We are down to the most popular Nourish Eat Repeat podcast of the first year. And this comes from episode number three, when we talk about all or nothing thinking. Now, I told you we do scale talk multiple times every day. We have the conversation all or nothing thinking every visit, every client, every day. That is how common this topic is. And so it's not a surprise that this was the most viewed or I should say the most listened to podcast of the entire year because so many people struggle with it. And so in this episode, we talk about the all or nothing mentality. I actually share my own personal struggle with um, how I used to use the all or nothing thinking and how it got me absolutely nowhere. And so I talk about my struggle and my journey and how I used to try to approach weight loss. And then we're going to jump into the part where we really kind of talk about where does this even come from? Why do we have this all or nothing mentality when it comes to our food? And then finally, the last part of the montage will be all about how to overcome. And honestly, the tip is so simple. We think it can't possibly work, but it absolutely works. It absolutely does. And so I'm excited to share it with you again today. Uh, Let's listen to... Episode number three, all or nothing of us, we want to do all the things right. And I completely understand. This was the story of my life for so long. I would get really motivated to start a new program. And guys, I was going to do all of it. I had journals, I had spreadsheets, I had schedules. Not only was I going to eat really healthy, but I was also going to exercise, I was also going to read my Bible, I was going to volunteer, I was going to not eat after 8 o'clock, I was going to make sure I got plenty of sleep each night, I was going to meditate, I mean, I was going to do all the things. And as you can imagine, because I needed to do all those things, and still live a life, I still had a job to go to, I still had kids to raise. There was no time to do all the things that I planned. And guys, I planned. I mean, I was getting up at 5.30 every morning. That was what the plan said. And I was going to have enough energy to work out and do all these great things. Except life happened. And maybe I had a toddler at the time who didn't sleep through the night. And that toddler disrupted my plan. And I would get so angry because not everybody and everything in my life was sticking to the plan. And I was getting resentful and I was getting upset. And I was so completely overwhelmed that I shut down and I did nothing. Because why do some of the stuff if you can't do, if I couldn't do all of the stuff, it was a failure, The whole thing was a failure. And guys, this is what I see more than anything in my office. It's this all or nothing approach. I was trying to think this week, where are other areas of our life that teach this? You know, it's not like if you're in school and you have a, a bad grade in math, you just decide to stop studying in social studies. Why bother? If I'm already failing math, I might as well not study for social studies. Like that doesn't happen. You know, if there's one aspect of your job that you're not doing well with, you don't just quit your job because you can't do the one part. So why does this translate over to nutrition and health? All right, guys, maybe you can you feel what I'm talking about. Maybe I am directly talking to you and you're like, yes, Adrian, this is me. I do this all the time. I spend so much time researching and creating spreadsheets and trying to do all the perfect things that I actually don't have energy to do the things. And I have such of this all or nothing approach that it's it's keeping me from being successful and seeing progress. And that's how it works with nutrition. You let the momentum of one thing carry you into the next. Let's say, for example, you start with sleep because that's the only thing you feel like you can do well right now. Okay, start with sleep. You start with sleep, and guess what? Before you know it, you have more energy in your day. And because you have more energy in your day, you decide, hey, I want to start exercising. And when you start exercising, you decide, hey, I want to eat better because I feel better For my exercise when I don't eat junk, but also I don't want to derail all the positive work I did working out. It's a positive snowball. Just like you can negative snowball, right? You're exhausted. And because you're exhausted, you don't have energy to work out. And because you don't have energy to work out, you feel like a slug. So you just eat because why bother? That's a negative snowball. We want to snowball into a positive way. But that positive way starts with one thing. You grab the hand of one toddler, you grab the hand of one behavior change or one health change, and you let that catapult you into success and into progress. So I hope you have had as much fun as I had in this episode, looking back on some of the conversations that we've had, some of the topics we've discussed. And guys, I just need to tell you right now, I am so excited moving into year number two. Um, I have a lot of fun things planned. I have a lot of exciting topics to talk about, new guests on the show, uh, really diving into more about nutrition, specific medical conditions, um, more mindset techniques and how to change our mindset around food, creating healthy relationships with food, disordered eating, um, you name it, about any topic about nutrition, we're probably going to be touching on it, covering it. And um, yeah, it's just what an awesome ride. So if you have found these podcasts to be helpful to you, if I can just take a moment and ask you to please share it with somebody, um, you know, how we're going to expand our reach and how we're going to be able to help more people is by you taking these messages and sharing them with the people in your life, Um, people that can, that need to hear it, that maybe want to hear it. Uh, that is just a great way to, to share the love and spread the message. And then if I can so shamelessly ask for you to rate the podcast or even leave a review. Again, that is how we can escalate this thing and really get it into the hands and the earpods and the airpods and all the things. How we can get it into more people's scope and, um, and really help people. You know, I'm not benefiting monetarily from this podcast. I'm doing this because I want to help people. Because I truly have a heart for people. And that's my only agenda. My only agenda is to help people. And so there's a lot of things out there that are looking to take your money. This is not one of them. And I want you to be able to have information that you can trust. And that you know is there in your best interest. It's really important. It's important to me. Um, it's important that you're not taken advantage of. Because a lot of this nutrition work is, is vulnerable. It's emotional. It, it's scary at times. And you don't need somebody who's going to take advantage of that. You need somebody that you know you can trust. But is also going to give you the right information. You know, I had a a client last night, he was following a really low carbohydrate diet. I mean, this guy works out a ridiculous amount and he was eating 50 grams of carbs. And, you know, he's getting results. So it's really hard to argue with him when he's seeing results on the scale um, as to why 50 grams of carbs is not appropriate. And so I told him, I'm like, listen, I, I get it. I get you're seeing these great results now, but I'm also thinking about who you're going to be when you're 65 and when you're 75. And yeah, I know we think, oh, I'll worry about that later. But that's what I'm worrying about now. Like, of course, I'm concerned about how you're doing now and your results. But I'm also very concerned about your quality of life in 20, 30, 40, 50 years so I'm always going to look out for your best interest. That's just what I'm going to do. And so I'm never going to give you advice that is going to give you temporary returns. I'm always going to be looking out for you because I care, plain and simple. And so guys, again, just thank you again for, for listening, for taking the time out of your busy schedules. To follow along. And again, looking forward to many, many more episodes in the future. All right, I've got to share a recipe with you. And so I was thinking, what do I want to do for this? Obviously, it is a celebration. And, you know, when we celebrate birthdays in my family, we celebrate with cake. So whether we're doing regular cake or ice cream cake, because, you know, some of the kids don't like cake. Um, I was thinking of a dessert. And of course, this podcast is for people that, you know, are busy. They've got things to do. They don't necessarily have time to spend all this time in the kitchen. So this is my favorite go-to dessert to bring to parties and picnics. All right. Now, I'm going to tell you the secret and it's going to blow your mind because it's two ingredients And yet people will think that you slaved away in the kitchen for hours. All right, I am talking about Snickers cookies. Now, are Snickers cookies really healthy? No, they are not, not even one bit. But they're easy, they're simple, and because they're cookies, we can portion control them. And because we're celebrating, I always have told my clients, I will never ask you to do something I'm not willing to do myself and I will absolutely have cake on every single person in my birth in my family's their birthday all of my kids I will never be that person that says no I can't eat cake I'm on a diet if you are my child if you are my spouse even myself I'm eating cake I'm eating dessert to celebrate and because this is a 1 year celebration we're doing it with cookies and the recipe today is snickers cookies so all you need is a 24 pack of chocolate chip cookies in the refrigerated section, the break apart, the break apart dough, right? They come in little circles, a 24 pack of chocolate chip cookies. And then you're going to get a bag of Snickers minis. Not the fun size, the minis, the ones that are in the shape of a square. All right, this is gonna make 12 cookies. Even though you're gonna get 24, it's gonna make 12. So what I want you to do is get two of the break apart cookies, so two of the 24, and I want you to smash them in between your two palms. I want you to flatten it out. After you flatten the two sides, I want you to take one of those squares, the Snickers squares, and I want you to place it in the middle of one of the flattened cookies. Next, you're gonna take the other flattened cookie and you're gonna set it on top Of the Snickers candy and then you're gonna close up the sides and roll it into a ball so we're basically hiding the Snickers candy inside two chocolate chip cookies it's so simple but it's so delicious all right and you're going to stick that cookie ball onto a sheet pan and you are going to bake as directed so if your recipe says bake for 10 to 14 minutes You're going to bake for 10 to 14 minutes until you get the desired doneness. So I always like my cookies a little gooier. So I probably would put mine in for 10 to 12 minutes, depending on when my oven says they're finished. And that's it. And people will think you slaved over these cookies. And honestly, it is the most simple thing you could ever make. And it is delicious. So yes, even dietitians eat cookies. Even dietitians take shortcuts sometimes. Not all the times, but hey, we're celebrating a birthday today and I wanted to share that recipe with you. All right, guys. If there are some things you would like to learn more about, please, please reach out to me. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, at Bodymetrics Health. You can go to our website, which is BodyMetricsHealth.com. Go under the contact us section. Let me know. What do you want to learn more about? What do you want to hear about when it comes to podcasts? What topics? What guests? How can I serve you well? All right, guys. I hope you have an excellent week, and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricspa.com or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at BodyMetrics Health or on Facebook at Body Metrics Health and Wellness Services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.